OWS fam, the nation, my dudes and dudettes, Sharp Football Analysis Nation, welcome, welcome. We are into week 15 in the inaugural season of Searching for Ceiling. Thanks for joining us. If you're new here, drop a like, drop a subscribe to the channel. I am Hilo from One Week Season. I will be joined shortly by Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. And as per the intro, we hunt for that hidden ceiling here on this show. So those of you who've been around for a while, thank you again for tuning in. We are back, baby, and we are about to jump into the week 15 main slate. We do have the Saturday three gamer. If you're looking for game breakdowns for that, I know Rich has dug into those over at Sharp Football. I have dug into those over at One Week Season. Go check that stuff out. But our focus for today is on the week 15 main slate. So with that, welcome and let's search for ceiling. One week season. There's my guy, Mr. Rich Rebar. How we doing today, dude? We're doing good, man. Friday, uh, week 15, you know, the holidays are coming. You're trying to juggle some stuff around. You you were nice. You acquiesced that I needed to just kick a couple hours to get some stuff done. And here we are, man. We weren't going to leave this on the table, though. Heck no, man. We We <laughs> got to bring it and we got to bring the heat hard. So we've got a very interesting slate. I'm, we're going to take a look at it in a minute, but I want to hear real quickly before we dive into the, the meat and potatoes here, kind of what your thoughts are on this very, very unique slate where every single morning game has a low game total yeah. and every single afternoon spot has like the game of the week type upside. How are you approaching that in this really weird slate? Yeah, it's kind of a unique week because we have like a mini Thanksgiving slate, you know, and I think we're just going to have these every year, right? Because there's no college football. So like the NFL is going to yeah. use this as an opportunity every year now, I think, to jam us with three Saturday games. It's kind of a weird Saturday slate, too, not to just like go deep on it, but like you've got all these backup quarterbacks. There aren't a lot of salary restrictions on that Saturday slate, like yeah. depending what you want to do. Uh, but what it does is it took away three games off of a main slate because there's no buys this week. And then when you look at the primetime games that are remaining we've got lamar jackson against the jaguars on sunday night. we've got jalen hurts against the seahawks on monday night and i think we have our third main slate in a row where paying up at quarterback doesn't look to be the optimal plan again yeah there's there are some very very interesting names um particularly in that mid-range i mean we have a 6k matthew stafford who now finally Oh, finally, we are yeah. seeing that touchdown regression. I mean, 10 touchdowns in the last three games. Um, I, in the, the other side of that game, we've got uh, we've got Sam Howell priced at only 6,300. So definite fireworks there. Um, that said, like, might guys like Josh Allen go kind of overlooked on this spot? Um, we'll talk about that here shortly. But yeah, there is there's a lot of different ways then you can go on the slate. And there's not a ton of salary <laughs> to make it happen. So it's very, very interesting dynamic slate. So with that, let's take a look at what we got going on here on this slate. Obviously, we alluded to the fact that we don't have a lot of high game totals. We have the Miami Dolphins taking on the New York Jets at home, where Miami is averaging over 30 points per game. They are nine and a half point favorites. Small game total, 37 and a half. I want to talk about this next game, We, which I, I want to make sure that we get to. But that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm -hmm. the Packers. A small game to or a small uh spread, three and a half points, 42 and a half game total. The Texans with the Davis Mills experience, minus Nico Collins, minus Tank Dell, <laughs> are four point dogs at Tennessee, 37 point game total. We got the Giants and the Saints. This is another interesting one that I hope we can get to. Uh, small game total, 39 points, relatively large spread, but we've got some defenses here that do some very particular things that we need to talk about. I think um, the Falcons and the Panthers 33 and a half. We did it, man. We've got our sixth game of 33 points or fewer. That's great. Yeah. Just thank you. 2023 season. We've got the bears traveling to the Browns. Another very interesting one, low game total, but some interesting pieces in it. 38.0, the chiefs and the Patriots. 37.0 that we did not ever think we were going to see a chiefs game with 37 point game total, but here we are. <laughs> uh, and now we get to what we alluded to in the meat potatoes, the 49ers and the Cardinals, um, a massive 12 point road favorites game total of 48 and a half. And then you've got the commanders and the Rams 50.5 and the Cowboys and the bills at 50.0. 
seeing all that and the way that salary is setting up this week, I kind of get this feeling that that last game uh, on the slate, that Dallas Cowboys and Buffalo Bills game might go a little bit overlooked. So I want to start there, Rich. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing from this spot? Yeah, I think this game is interesting because I think internally gamers want to play Cowboys and Bills. I think this slate in particular makes it hard because the individual pieces that you want to play do hinder some of the other things that, you know, probably a lot of gamers are going to do on this slate. So, you yeah. know, you've got, you know, an expensive Josh on, you've got an expensive Dak Prescott, CD lamb is 9,200 on both sites. And the hardest thing, the biggest roadblock for me in this game is trying to come up with objective reasons to want to play these bills, right? Like it, it, yeah. it's not, no one stands out from an evidence-based lens, which is where I operate outside of Josh Allen, because, you know, you know, Josh Allen can still get you there. The ball can get spread around. He has rushing equity. He has touchdown equity. So like, he's interesting. So do you do something creative in this game spot? Do you do like a, a Josh Allen with Cowboys pieces? Is that like mm -hmm. a way that you can kind of uniquely stack this game, but it's not even an objectively great spot for Josh Allen. I mean, we've seen the chiefs, pressure him on a season high rate of dropbacks last week. And he's been one of the most impacted quarterbacks by pressure this season. He's actually completed fewer than 60% of the passes in three of his past four games. Uh, and the biggest thing is no one on his team is getting open and beating man coverage. And now yeah. he's this, it's this aggressive, you know, Cowboys defense, they're third in the rate in man coverage in the NFL. Stefan Diggs is not priced down, right? From what we've seen this back half of the season. I mean, he has three single digit PPR point games over the past month. Uh, he has his lowest yards per outrun against man coverage since he joined the Buffalo Bills. And we know Gabe Davis isn't a man beater. He's got one of his one of his touchdowns yeah. this year have come against man coverage. Uh, how how do we stack Josh Allen? Who objectively stands out to you? What is calling to us on this Buffalo Bills side to say, like, these guys are great plays? Do you have some of the can you can you help me out here? The most interesting aspect of this spot were the offensive tendencies that we saw last week from the Buffalo Bills with Dawson Knox back. Yep. They basically went straight back to heavy rates of 12 personnel. Um, and when you look at Josh Allen's efficiencies um, in 12 personnel versus 11 personnel, which they were almost playing exclusively 11 with Dawson Knox right. out, he sees almost a 30% increase to almost across the board, his efficiency metrics when throwing from 12 personnel versus 11. We also have seen Stefan Diggs see a significant uh, boost to his efficiency in 12 because you take an additional wide receiver off the field and he becomes more of this point of emphasis in this offense. So I'm actually a little bit interested in the um, in the Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Um, I think that on paper, it's very difficult to make that stand because especially when we're talking like comparing Stefan Diggs and uh, CD lamb, who are the two primary pieces in this game, comparing them to like Christian McCaffrey, who they're priced around. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to click those wide receivers names. Right. But if we look at like, does this game carry the potential to absolutely leave every other game on the slate in its dust? I think it does because we look at like, we look at the, the Rams and the commanders, that game environment. And we'll talk a little bit more about it here shortly. That game environment is expected to be elite, but it's more so elite for the Rams than it is for the commanders right. as far as like their individual pieces. Same thing with San Francisco and Arizona. Like the fact that Arizona is not just rolling over and dying this season, like is better for their opponent than it is for like their players. So those games to me feel a lot more one-sided, whereas this one has the chances to, you know, you add in like, the desperation factor of the bills. They need basically to win out. They are, they're at six and six and six, six and seven, six and seven. Uh, yeah. A game behind like five other teams in the AFC um, who are at seven and six. They, they, they need this game. Like they cannot afford to drop this game. The Cowboys on the other hand are playing for the number one seed in the NFC. So like this game carries such high uh, playoff implications that I think that added desperation factor with the the skill position players that this game has carries immense upside on the slate. And I don't think the field is necessarily going to be treating it as such. So when I see the spot, it's more of like, I want to overstack and dive in. I think you can do that with like Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, um, 
something like bringing it back with a Brandon Cooks, where like, and the defensive tendencies of the Bills leads me to believe that we might see CeeDee Lamb be doubled over the middle of the field and rolled extra coverage when he's on the perimeter. That if like, if we get Brandon Cooks in against cover three or against man coverage, um, whereas CD lamb is going to be blanketed. I think that he carries some significant upside. Jake Ferguson, we know has the robust red zone role. So like, I want to be diving fully into this game environment. And then if I'm not doing that, I'm okay. Like setting it aside and be like, Hey, this game also could, because it has two of the top six, seven on paper defenses. It could also play to the under. So I want to be diving fully in, or I kind of am, am more of the leave it alone. That's kind of how I'm reading this situation. Yeah, I do have confidence in the Dallas side uh, just because they've been not only because they've just been so hot. I mean, you factor in the bills are going to lose. They're losing two more starters on defense yeah. and they've been able to patchwork this thing. And the reason they've been able to patchwork it, they've only allowed 6.3 yards for pass attempt uh, over their past six games. It's eighth in the NFL. They're 12th in passing points allowed per attempt just below the Cowboys. And the reason they've been able to kind of get through is they still had an elite pass rush. Uh, so losing H.A. Epinenza is a big loss. And then also the one quarterback in the NFL that has absolutely not been impacted by pressure this year is Dak Prescott. Yeah. Uh, leads the NFL in completion rate by almost 20% above the base rate. He has an 8.4 yards or pass attempt against under, when he's under pressure by far the highest rate in the NFL, two and a half yards above the base rate. So I still think Dallas is going to get there. I think the Dallas side is going to get there. I think they've consistently – what they're doing with CeeDee Lamb I think makes it hard for defenses to to take him away. I mean, he's – since this like hot streak's gone on and they came out of the bye and they basically hatched this plan where they were like, you know what, we cannot just like run this thing through defense and Tony Pollard. Like we have to open up this offense and they came out. Yeah. CeeDee Lamb's been playing literally 50-50 inside-outside. Like they have structured this offense around his versatility and it's made him a better fantasy asset too because it's given him access to, uh, I say like these higher cholesterol targets, you know, these boundary targets. They're not just soft. He just has, doesn't have to win from the slot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he. I still think he's a good play. Obviously, when you talk about like, if you're making me pick between one of the one of the guys, uh, either CeeDee Lamb or Christian McCaffrey this week, I mean, listen, one of those guys is playing the Arizona Cardinals. So, <laughs> but, I mean, in tournament settings, though, I mean, I do I do have confidence in the Dallas side. You mentioned Brandon Cooks as a guy you could bring in doubles or ISO with a mini a Buffalo side, and then Jake Ferguson at a tight end position, which inherently has a low bar. He has so much red zone equity that you can get there through touchdowns with Jake Ferguson. So I yeah. do have confidence in the Dallas side. The, the Buffalo side – is where I keep like wondering how does it get there and does this game end up like last week where they face a similar defense and approach to what like Spags does and the, the, the you know what Dan Quinn's gonna do is it yeah. gonna be a situation where they 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 stall out again and that's what they did against the Chiefs after that first quarter. Yeah, there's very few situations where I actually pay attention to home road scoring splits. Dallas might be one of them. Do you make anything of the fact that the Cowboys are averaging almost 40 points per game at home, but only 23.7 on the road? Yeah, it's one of those things you, you kind of have to look at. They did score 33 in Carolina when they did the, their most recent uh, kind of road game. Uh, and some of their other road games are earlier in the season. You know, they were well, they did score 40 in the season opener, uh, although yeah. they were what two, two of them were defensive touchdowns. Defensive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they had the San Francisco game. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's kind of hard, right? Like, uh, so those things are always tough. I do know that this offense since the bye, and they've only played two road games since the bye. And they've been good, and, and the offense has been fine in those games. Okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. I yeah, know, no, like, I, I mean, it's it's a, it, yeah. there's definitely a thing, a heater uh, with them at home. And I mean, the Dolphins were one of those teams, too, until you realize they need an offensive line still to score points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that here shortly. Um, <laughs> any other, oh, by the ways, on what could be one of the sneakier game environments this week? No, I mean, I still don't know like how I want to handle James Cook. He's a guy I almost had 100% of last week. and Yeah, you and me uh, both. <laughs> and, and he smashed, but I, I feel like we were still shorted, right? Like yeah. I feel like we were still shorted. Well, I mean, he was the offense. I mean, 80 yards in the first quarter. He had six of eight backfield touches in the first quarter. And then the rest of the game, he had nine of 18 backfield touches. He hasn't gone over 56% of backfield touches over the past month. I know he's getting more design stuff and first mm -hmm. read stuff. 
But we got like, man, every Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray snap and touch like an angel is losing his wings. <laughs> a fantasy football angel just freaking <clears throat> lost his wings. Because he looks what, like, I, James Cook looks amazing per touch right now. Like the last yeah. month, he's looked absolutely electric. Mm -hmm. What was interesting to me is we saw, you talked about like kind of the, um, the, the mastery we'll say of, of Spags. We saw him roll like cornerback coverage onto James Cook in the second half. Which did you notice that when you're watching the tape of that game? No, no, not no, because I didn't see James Cook on the field. So like, <laughs> I had trouble yeah. diagnosing it. No, yeah, I, I mean, tuned it's, out. It's, the one thing that gives me like pause the Bills is that you you mentioned they got Dawson Knox back and the field just shrunk on them again. Yeah. Like everything, like Stefan Diggs, a dot. I mean, like what happened? Like, and I know, understand, like, you know, you, you have, uh, you, you kind of highlighted this last week and we talked about that game. You were like, oh, the pressure that, that Spags is going to send, it's going to be a quick pass game for Bills. You were all over it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, but it's what we also saw earlier in the season too when they were in the 12 personnel. And I brought up Umbridge on the show a couple times about it. Like, this is not the way you play offense with Josh Allen. Yeah. Let the man just be that slinger, dude. Um, there is the the upside potential with Josh Allen. Um, the bull case here is that mm -hmm. he's getting more design runs, and he yep. all that good stuff is still present. Um, but yeah, this is this is a spot where like if Josh Allen is hitting a 85, 90% outcome, that is so much higher than all the other quarterbacks on the slate. So I want mm -hmm. to be able to capture that. And if that happens, it's likeliest to come through Steph Diggs, potentially Gabe Davis. If he can you know, catches a route against stone, we'll see. Um, I'm not interested in either tight ends. I think you can go James cook in addition to that as well, but I kind of want to just be diving in fully into this game um, or kind of leaving it alone because they're like, like we talked about, like, it's harder to click these guys than it is a guy like Christian McCaffrey who's priced right around him. Um, we have the wide receivers in, in the Rams game that are priced right. down 7,300, 7,800. So there's a lot of other more appetizing <laughs> routes to go here. Um, but I do think it, it, it is worth mentioning that if this yeah. game hits, it could hit really, really hard. Yeah. I think you have to small field this for sure. Like there's gotta be yeah. some small field onslaughts on this just because just by default of what you said, the, the, the 90th percentile outcome. Yep. Yep. Um, we, we know that the, the afternoon games, I kind of gave a, a little bit of a lead into the 49ers and the Cardinals and the commanders and the Rams. It's probably the commanders and the Rams that as a game environment brings more upside. You want to talk about that one next? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that one just offers a lot more accessibility for gamers in the way yeah. like, uh, versatility. We ha also have on the commander side, like just a lot of of cheaper pieces. Obviously now we know Brian Robinson's not going to play. Mm -hmm. So it unlocks, you know, Antonio Gibson as either like this pivot point to Ezekiel Elliott or just like another cheap guy to get you access to another Rams wide receiver. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you also have Curtis Samuel in a spot that, you know, the Rams don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So maybe it's not like the, the ball's getting jammed to him, but they have been significantly worse to slot wide receivers and boundary wide receivers. So we have uh, a lot of cheaper bringbacks that we can kind of go on. And then we have like this situation with the Rams against this commander's defense, where we only have four more weeks to play guys against this commander's defense. Yeah. <laughs> um, every season we get to a point of this where like, there's just the defense, whether it's through injuries or whatever, like we just know like they can't, get there's just nothing they can do right like there's just, and that's where we've been at the commanders for a while yeah. like personnel wise and especially once they traded montez sweat and chase young like they get they haven't even smelled the quarterback outside of Tommy. no tommy devito is the only dude they put pressure on since they've made those trades and they just don't have the personnel they don't have the pieces uh to combat anything opposing offenses are doing right now yeah we talked about Matthew Stafford and how he's quietly putting together one of the his better seasons, not mm -hmm. from a statistical standpoint. And Sean but like, yeah, and Sean McVay. What they are doing with what they have on this team uh, has been nothing short of impressive, um, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we were targeting this defense as like a laughing stock of the best ball land um, coming into the season. They had like 70% of their uh, defensive yep. players coming into their season were either rookies or undrafted free agents. Uh, yeah, it was, it, we were like laughing, but like they are what they're doing and they're doing it through heavy rates of cover two, cover three prevent style defense. 
They're forcing teams to march the field. They don't want to give up explosives. What that does is provide them more opportunities to be disruptive, which they're more or less like doing. Um, so yeah, that not that notwithstanding, that's probably why they're more susceptible over the middle of the field. Um, Curtis Samuel, very, very interesting. We also have Tutu Atwell, who in, in this game uh, was concussed last week, yep. probably not going to play. We saw Demarcus Robinson come in, score a touchdown um, in, a and we, in a revenge game. And we saw him like the target in the like Hail Mary attempt at the end of the game. Um, there's some interesting components there, but my primary point of, of interest in this spot is Matthew Stafford, Kyron Williams, and I side with Cooper Cup. Either Cooper Cup or Puka can get it done. They can both get it done in this spot, but Cooper Cup has the feel watching that game last weekend. He has the feel of for the first time in a while, he is mm -hmm. being like the point of emphasis on this team. And that's what we saw last week is like he had the year that he had because like, yeah, he's awesome and he's great, but he was being schemed looks and he was being schemed open. And that's kind of what we have been lacking from him. It's been more of this. We have more weapons that we can distribute the ball. But last week I saw them finally again, emphasizing Cooper cup and saying like, we're going to create some space for you, bruh, go do your thing now in the space. So if that is the case, Cooper cup has as much ceiling as anybody on the slate. So that's where I lean. Obviously Puka is very, very viable in this spot as well. But I like the I like the quarterback, running back, wide receiver stack. Uh, basically, this could be like a situation. I mean, we look at the Rams; they've scored thirty-one or uh, points or more in each of their last three games. So this offense is humming a little bit. And in this spot against this defense, they have legitimate four, five, six touchdown upside. So the quarterback, running back, wide receiver kind of gives you access to all of those scores potentially. So I like that. Um, how do, what are you feeling about, uh, the situation between the two Rams wide receivers and then the Rams kind of in general? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing with this Ram is you want to play all of these guys. You want to play yeah. everybody. Uh, so how, how can we do that? You know, who do we pick? Who do we, who do we choose from? Uh, I do kind of also edge Cooper cup. Just he, he's led the team in, in targets and receptions the past two games. Uh, he looked healthy and maybe that's a, and maybe that was just an internal signal too, over that stretch yeah. where he was down that they, obviously weren't scheming stuff open for him because he he wasn't healthy. He wasn't right. And maybe yeah. they knew that throughout the week uh, and he's been gutting it through. But last week he de definitely looked the part more than he had since he first came back. So very yeah. positive signals, especially timely for this week. Um, I have no problem with, with also just saying, yeah, Puka could get there too. I really don't like it's, I mean, Washington has literally been a pick your poison team. I mean, they are allowing the most yards per game to opposing wider outside wide receivers that, Puka's playing like 68% of his snaps outside more than cup, but guess what? They've also allowed the highest touchdown rate to opposing slot receivers, 9.2 yards per target to slot receivers. It's kind of just everyone, yeah. man, everyone gets there. And then they've allowed five straight top 10 scoring running backs. Ramondre yep. Stevenson, Kenneth Walker, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Devin A. Chain. Like we're not they, they, like, those are all solid players, the good players, but it's not like they're, they're all world been world beaters in fantasy football this year either. And now yeah. they're facing Kyron Williams, who literally has the best offensive role in the NFL outside of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, so and he's eighteen hundred cheaper on DraftKings than Christian McCaffrey. This is where it gets interesting, I think, with Kyron Williams because he becomes either a potential leverage point in tournaments versus what's going to be popular. Stafford is going to be popular, and a Rams wide receiver is going to be popular, if not both. Um, and not that Kyron's not going to be unpopular. He is going to be popular, but yeah, he becomes leverage. And then also probably in addition to Stafford stacks where people maybe don't get there, like you said, to play the wide receiver with the running back, uh, this week. And then also if you look at the Rams, what they've done, and they've done this even since the bye when they've been up is when they're ahead, especially in the second half, they are running the hell out of the football. Uh, yeah. they are they're They have a 42% drop back rate ahead in the second half this season. That's 25th in the NFL. We can go back to both Arizona Cardinals games where it kind of looked like onslaught situations for the Rams and Stafford did get there the second game against, uh, the, the Cardinals because he threw a couple touchdowns to Tyler Higby. Kyron had the other one, but they just, you literally, if they, if McVay is lying, if you're lining up and you're not stopping the run this year, McVay has shown yeah. like they will just keep running it. Yep. Yeah, super interesting. Do you 
Haveline, is Kyron more viable in your option, in your opinion, than um, than Matthew Stafford in the spot? I think I haven't again. I haven't looked at ownership. I've been kind of all. Well, here's the fun part: them. is that the two quarterbacks you want to play, it's inverse correlation, right? Because if you play Purdy, you play Kyron, and then if you play Stafford, you play McCaffrey, right? Like that's kind of like the internal thing. Like you just like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna mix and match that. But I actually think you can play both running backs with both quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm heavily interested in that. Um, and like, we'll get to the 49ers here in a minute, but it's like again another picture. But a lot of gamers are probably going to do that, right? Like, because yeah. you're going to want access McCaffrey, you're going to access access to Kyron. I imagine they're just going to cross stack those guys, right? Yeah, that's that would probably be the prevailing strategy. Yeah, from a like observations of the field like theoretical perspective how we expect them to behave that's probably going to be the prevailing strategy yeah yeah you're probably right there i haven't thought about that uh much so that's a that's a good shout um those are gonna be the two pop those are gonna be the two most popular quarterbacks yeah yeah that's very interesting um any other thoughts on either of those teams in that game environment no, I mean, Antonio Gibson becomes like this, uh, you know, really low salary guy you can get access to. Uh, like I said, obviously, a lot of people started the week, like, you know, believing we would just have Zeke. Uh, the last mm-hmm. time Brian Rob would Brian Robinson left the game before the bye, Gibson played 31 snaps. Chris Rodriguez, just 12. There is like a maybe some potential volatility. You would say like, all right, like Gibson's a free agent. They might want to see what they have in Chris Rodriguez, but remember, yeah. Ron Rivera is probably also not going to be here next year. Yeah. So, like, what the hell does he care about seeing what Chris Rodriguez has to have? Also, Chris Rodriguez has run twelve pass routes the entire season, twelve more than you and I. So, yeah. in a game where the road dogs negative game script, it's hard to not just see Gibson have like this kind of opportunity in front of him to have like this really large run out. Yeah, and that kind of leads us back to full circle there of why I think my exposure to this game is just going to be on the Rams. I don't think you need to force the the Washington bring back. Um, I mean, we've had very few instances of a Washington pass catcher seeing double-digit looks this season. Um, We've had very, very just – they are – they're concentrated in the sense that, like, we know who's going to be on the field, but they're not concentrated – uh, from the sense of we know where the production is going to go. So um, I kind of just say take the guesswork out of it. Yeah, they're they're cheap, but there's other cheap spots on the slate that carry significant ceiling. We'll talk about those here shortly. Um, San Francisco, man. Brandon, play Brandon Ayuk. Play Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> um, the one person that I would probably put fourth in the tier of like San Francisco skill position players is probably Debo Samuel because he is the guy that's like schemed usage and heavily involved against defenses that are able to generate pressure that is not the Arizona Cardinals um so I would expect to see George Kittle in routes at a higher rate we've been off of him for the past two or three weeks because they've played defenses that are capable of generating pressure that is not the case this week um heavy zone we're gonna see Brandon Ayuk probably have time to have his routes develop downfield so this is a spot where those three guys like McCaffrey um, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are more so my my interest level is kind of in that tier uh, and Debo kind of falls to the bottom is it the same for you or are you seeing something different here no I'm pretty much lockstep I mean it's interesting the 49ers in general because this transition that Brock Purdy's had now there was a point to start the season where Brock Purdy was getting there as like a lower end QB1 he was mm-hmm. hyper efficient he was throwing, you know, two to three touchdowns per game, not really ever flirting with 300 yards. And the dude is putting up some demon numbers like this last six weeks. Like he's, we're yeah. starting to see the Brock Purdy, like three twenties, the three fifties, the three sixty eight last week. Like the dude didn't even play a clean game last week and threw it for a career high in yardage. Um, and I know some of that's like catch and run stuff, but he actually is, yeah. is, is, is his, you know, he, he hit the long ball to Debo, he had a nice one yeah. to, to Kittle. That was so, a nice little dime breadbasket pass. Oh, yeah, Debo, beauty. Yeah, that was, that was butter. And you've got this team that just is not pressuring the quarterback, like you said. They're 31st Arizona. They're just a passive defense in general. They don't play man coverage. They don't blitz. They just aren't aggressive. Like, they're very passive. Uh, it's kind of funny because they have a very passive kind of mentality, it seems like, for a head coach and quarterback as well. Uh, it feels like it's all just breeding around that, that whole team. Yeah. When Brock Purdy hasn't been pressured this year, like, dude, I can't even, like, read some of these numbers out loud. Like they're just like it's like oh, please it's like, do please do it's just stupid it's like video game stuff dude 
Yeah. When Brock Purdy has been pressured this year, he's completing 79% of his passes. 11.1 yards per pass attempt, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, got 132 quarterback rating. Uh, when he hasn't been pressured, the guy, when he he's typically targeting Brandon Ayuk, like in these spots, mm-hmm. when he's able to not get pressured, right? Uh, from a clean pocket, Brandon Ayuk leads the 49ers with a 28% team target share, 12.9 air yards per target. When Brock Purdy has a clean pocket, 21% of his throws are going into that intermediate window, the 10 to 19 mm-hmm. yard window. Guess who leads the NFL in receiving yards in that window? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 490 receiving yards in that window. Uh, man, it just feels like a really good spot for Brandon Ayuk for sure. He's he's definitely the guy yeah. I want to glom on to outside of, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Because, like, I try to figure out, like, are we just getting too cute not playing? Like, is it is it just like too yeah. obvious of a spot? I know he there's we live in this world of the salary cap. He is very expensive, but man, the Arizona Cardinals have just given up the bag to running backs literally every week. They're 150 yards per scrimmage, 31st in the NFL. They face a league high 31.6 backfield touches per game. They're 31st in rushing points allowed to running backs. They're also 25th in receiving points allowed to running backs. When these yeah. teams played. In week four, he had 180 yards and four touchdowns. Like 50-burger. That's – man, I mean, and it's scary. It's scary to leave him off of teams this week, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Knowing that, are you more interested in playing Ayuk with him um, in with or without Brock Purdy? Well, let me ask you this. How much do you believe in the narrative – that maybe is surrounding San Francisco and maybe Kyle Shanahan. And maybe do you think, obviously we don't know, like we don't know his internal hubris on the situation, but it seems like the 49ers are tired of talking about how good the public thinks Brock Purdy is. And do you think like we're seeing like this just blitzkrieg and and Kyle Shanahan's just like, Hey, if you don't think he's that good, now watch him put up the 300 to 400 yards a week. I don't know. I, I honestly hadn't thought about that. Um, because it's happening, great. like his numbers the past month, have, like since they've been out of the bye, have been absolutely just crazy, man. There's yeah. like no restrictor played at all on, on Brock Purdy right now. It feels like the 49ers are sticking their finger in the air saying like, oh, you don't, you just think this dude's a product of us? Like, <laughs> yeah. And Shanahan is one of those coaches like, like a, uh, like a Sean Payton that kind of plays into like getting his players the accolades and getting them their um, their, their bonuses and whatever the case may be. Like he is one of those guys that could like, is he pushing the, the Brock Purdy MVP narrative? I don't know. Like that could be, that could be something going on behind the scenes. Uh, that's very interesting as well. Yeah, so, yeah, um, kind of fun. I mean, it's nothing you can really like stock and like make party or DFS. Like I'm going to play yeah. this because the 49ers want to get him MVP, but I have yeah. just been looking at his usage like this past month and like how the 49ers have been calling games. And it's just like, man, are they, like I feel like internally they're they're up to something here. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, that makes me even more interested in like playing CMC and Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> uh, right. Like, I mean, Brandon Ayuk can go for six for one hundred and fifty and friend two and or one in this spot. Uh, CMC very clearly has fifty burger within his range of outcomes. Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, very interesting spot. I am going to look into that. Are you playing any Cardinals? Any Cardinals? Uh, engineer? I don't think so. I think maybe Michael Wilson is maybe interesting. I mean, the San Francisco defense is a little banged up. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they've had some injuries over the previous, what, three weeks, um, especially on the back end. So I don't know. Um, maybe Michael Wilson. I mean, it feels a little chasey, right? Going to Michael Wilson after he put up, what, 77 and two against uh, the 49ers last time. Um, right. But he is like, probably I, I would love to play greg dorch <laughs> i would love for michael wilson to be yeah, out we're probably man we, we're probably uh we're, our, we're past our, our the torch dorch has probably been uh, extinguished yeah that's that's too bad too um i don't think so no i you can't go to james connor um no 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 i mean marquise brown is not set up well in this spot yeah i don't think so um the uh oh, oh god who else Trey McBride. Trey McBride would not be in consideration. Yeah, I don't think you can, honestly. Um, I don't want to. Anyway. I don't think you need pushback either on this side. Uh, yeah. The 49ers are getting it on their own. They've covered in nine straight division games. 
<laughs> like yeah. absolutely bonkers. Uh, they, they've been a Death Star, man. They've been since the buy. They've been an absolute Death Star again. Yeah, dig that. Um, I'm really going to dig into playing Brandon Ayuk with Christian McCaffrey here. I think that is very interesting. I think you could go. Would you consider something like Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle? Would you ever consider that in the spot? Uh, I would probably leave one off, but I do like the idea of McCaffrey and Ayuk together or, or one or the other, right? Like I, yeah. I think like the Rams situation, you shouldn't be deterred by playing McCaffrey or Kyron Williams just because you have a piece of the passing game. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I will buy that. It. Yeah. I will buy that as well. Um, let us now, I mentioned two potential, very, very interesting spots. Um, the first was the Buccaneers and the Packers. And I also think, well, maybe three, the, the, the Giants and the, the Saints there for one particular reason, uh, we'll talk to here shortly. And the other is Chicago and Cleveland, which on the surface looks kind of gross. The, the bears have been playing a lot better on defense of late. Um, but they're still giving up downfield passing and with Joe Flacco, <laughs> who is the downfield passer in like over the past decade, that's very, very interesting. So I'll let you pick uh, the, I'll let you pick our route here. Which of those games, or if you have another one you want to talk about as well, let's go to one of these earlier games. Yeah. I mean, I love Packers bucks. Uh, okay. and, and, you know, we had the, we had Jordan love fail on prime time, which was great for this, you know, yeah. you, you know, obviously this spot he's in like that. We talked about that nebulous price zone uh, yeah. where he's right near Stafford as a potential pivot. He's a little under Purdy, almost the same price as Howell. Like he, you know, people were starting to get on board. He failed, I think, against the uh, a frisky Giants defense that's been actually a lot better the past month than people probably realize. So I like going back to this Bucks defense is just so banged up, and they're just giving up so many passing yards that it's hard not to to really be interested in the Packers side. And the yeah. reason we also love the Bucks in these game environments is the Buccaneers only give the football to two players. And yep. that's what makes it so good. We know who to bring back with the Buccaneers. We play Rashad Wright and we play Mike Evans. Uh, and Mike Evans is in this amazing flop lag spot too. We'll see if Jair Alexander plays. He did log some limited practices. But yeah. in Green so Bay. might come back as well. Yeah, Green Bay is playing a lot of cover three, a lot of single high stuff. And they're third in the NFL in rate of cover three. Mike Evans has already faced the number one and number two teams in rate of cover three. And he, in those yeah. games, had six for 70 and two touchdowns and seven for 162 and a touchdown. But really it's just about a usage stance. Like we know the Buccaneers are going to give the ball to Rashad White and they're going to give it to Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's yeah. banged up. I saw he hasn't been practicing again. Um, so we have our inherent bringbacks here. And then we've got what we want to do offensively with the Packers because we don't know if Aaron Jones can play. It looks like he's going to be up and they're going to probably, and if you follow the Packers at all, and I know you do, yeah. uh, they are a very precautious team with players that are injured. So like, Dylan. expecting Aaron Jones to come back and get like 20 touches is probably yes. not in the range of outcomes. So we've got Jaden Reed. We've got Romeo Dobbs. Obviously people are going to get to Jaden Reed uh, because of his price and them playing on Monday night. But Romeo yeah. Dobbs, I think is very interesting in this particular matchup as a guy. I don't think anyone's going to play. Mm -hmm. There's this is very, and I've, I've spent a lot of time on this game. I, I broke it down. Um, and obviously I'm a Packers fan. I 100% everything you said there accurate. I don't think that AJ Dillon is going to play because they are extreme. I mean, he is it. And I couldn't even find this anywhere. Is it his dominant hand that he broke his thumb? I don't know if I didn't see what hand it was. I saw he was going to yeah. try to practice today, but I, I have not seen exactly what hand it was. I couldn't find it anywhere, man. I was like, look at, I was pulling my hair out trying to find it, but regardless, like, one, we have Aaron Jones coming back of from three missed games. I'd expect him to play here. Mm -hmm. um, in that same vein, I would expect A.J. Dillon to be out. In that same vein, I would expect Christian Watson to be out. Mm -hmm. We also have Dontavian Wicks, who has been a, like a legitimate target earner in this offense in a, like, okay A-dot role. Like, he is a, a relatively deep A-dot type guy he has a more like unknowns regarding his injury. Like I was trying to find, is it a high ankle sprain? Is it a low ankle sprain? Is it a contort? Like what happened to this dude? I've watched the play. It looks high ankle, but who knows? He practiced in a limited fashion after missing Wednesday. Wednesday was only a walkthrough. Again, this team holds everything close to their chest. 
But there could be a situation where Aaron Jones plays not in a full capacity. We have A.J. Dillon out. We have Christian Watson out. Potentially even Dontavian Wicks out. So you're talking about Romeo Dobbs on the perimeter in a more or less prototypical X-type role. He's not a deep dot guy. He has a robust red zone role. We have Jaden Reed, who is like being utilized as the, I don't want to compare him to Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel has like one of Debo Samuel's quads is the same size as both <laughs> of Jaden Reed's. Um, but I, also, so Jaden Reed can play real wide receiver Packers. He can. I'm waiting for it too. And that's another thing is like, Last week, he had like a two-point-something dot. I think it was because, and watching that game, I think it was because of Wink and his pressure. I think they were trying to use him as the outlet. Is he going to run more routes this week? I would hope so. Oh. But yeah, it's like they have Romeo Dobbs. They have Jaden Reed in this um, schemed usage, demi-short area role. And then could it be Malik Heath if Dontavian Wicks is out? And Malik Heath is a guy that can play a downfield type Christian Watson-esque type role for this team. Um, Ole Miss product, we know that he's been around. Like this, Malik Heath is very, very interesting to me. Um, he's bare minimum price at 3K, and they've got a, a rookie tight end, the second string rookie tight end, um, who's not necessarily a target earner. So like, where are these targets going? I think Malik Heath and I think Jaden Reed are probably my highest interest in the spot. And I love this game environment, just like you. What do you have to say about that? Like, there's so much uncertainty here, but I think that's a, a place for us to place a little bit of leveraged bets here. Yeah, and everyone's cheaper. So if you fail, you've got, you know what you need to swap off of uh, outside of the two bucks. And like, they're not even like egregiously priced. Like I'm talking yeah. about White and Evans. It's not like they're so overpriced, but the, they, they do carry some salary. But I mean, all the Packers, because they played on Monday night, are really cheap. Uh, so mm -hmm. if they fail, you know, like kind of what you need to do. The, the, I mean, this is the perfect one. This is the perfect one o'clock game to stack. Like literally, it's like everything I yeah. look for in a one o'clock game to stack. Uh, 100%. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm. I don't want to keep. You know, I don't want to pun the love stuff, but like I am in love. Yeah, with this, this nice game a little bit. And like I said, uh, I mean, I think you. I don't know if I'm gonna get the Otten, but I mean, even Tucker Tucker Craft's not even off off hands in this game. Yeah, like as as a guy, you can stack with love. There's just a lot of ways. I definitely probably will have love double stacks though for sure with either an Evans or a White or maybe a full onslaught of this game, yeah. uh, because the Packers have just been like the past month been just giving up production to running backs, and we know that you know Rashad White just carries this major offensive equity. So like he be, and he's another one of these guys that's priced an area where like a lot of gamers don't get to because. Get the meta of the slate is going to be to get McCaffrey to get Kyron Williams to probably either play at a Gibson or an Elliott, right? At running as your RB2. Uh, yeah. Use that salary to get Rams wide receivers or another wide receiver you can pay. That's going to be the, that's literally going to be the top down construction, though. And that, that running back that's 7 1, I think he and Bijan Robinson like look like the most fun, like guys to play in that price range because I just don't think a lot of gamers are going to be shopping in that particular grocery aisle this week. Getting real, real gross here. What say you about Mr. Patrick Taylor? Um, under the um, under the umbrella of the context of that discussion we had about the state of this backfield. Well, I think the problem with it is if Aaron Jones is up, and even if he's limited, the significant touches would still be Aaron Jones's, right? Yeah. Like, like so, like if you're gonna play Patrick Taylor, the idea is like you luck box into a touchdown. But like if they're inside the five, is that an Aaron Jones touch? Yeah. I would expect, based on my read on the situation, that Patrick Taylor might be the two-minute drill. Back. He is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, um, he has been with Jones out. Yeah. And, I mean, we could, yeah, just play, I don't know. It, it's it's thin. Uh, I I, I like Willie Keith more than I like Patrick Taylor. All right, Taylor. okay. Well, I'll, I'll concede that. I'll concede that. All right. <laughs> I can get Willie Keith more than Patrick Taylor. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the I Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are just getting crushed in the pass game, though. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, it was a bummer to see and... the field kind of get to Drake London by default last week because I was, man, I was so all over him. It was cool because yeah. he was like, he was still sub five percent on Fanduel, which was great. And uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, everyone knows these the Bucks on the outside the, to these outside wide receivers, like they just haven't stopped anybody. Yeah, and they're getting a little bit healthier and over the middle. Um, Vita Vea is still on the injury report, but they're expected to be without Carlton Davis um, yeah. in the secondary. They do have Jamel Dean back, but they're, they got back 
Devin White and Levante David. Levante David last week, and they're getting back Devin White this week. Mm -hmm. So that is those are major contributors to their run defense, and that's why they had kind of slipped over the past three or four weeks against the run is teams were just able, they didn't see those imposing linebackers up the middle. Um, and Vita Bay has been on the injury report. Uh, yeah, there, uh, another nod to the upside in the passing game there. Um, anything else to say in that one? No, no, I just said that's my favorite early game though. There are two spots in those other two games, the Chicago and the Cleveland game and the Giants and the Saints game that I just want to highlight real quick. These are more one-off type plays. Yeah. Um, but if the field, and again, I haven't looked at ownership, but I have this feeling like David Njoku's coming off a two-touchdown game. I have a feeling that um, the field is probably going to get there. I was all over Amari Cooper last week all over him Amari Cooper. And I brought it back with Evan Ingram was like, this is the perfect most head like leveraged mm -hmm. situation I could ever ask for. And I, I went all, all into that situation. Um, Evan well, Ingram, one, of those, one of those guys smashed the other guy. Yeah, Evan, the other guy had 14 freaking targets. He only caught half of them. But what is very interesting to me about this spot is Chicago on the surface over the last six weeks has been a much improved defense. That said, their defensive ADOT is still very deep and we have Joe Flacco coming to town uh, or I guess Chicago's coming to their town, whatever I digress. Um, and Amari Cooper now I think pairs very, very interestingly with the incentives that are in Joe Flacco's new contract that he just signed. It's like 250 K bonus for making the playoffs. It's like 500 for making the divisional or the uh, conference round. And it's like 2 million for winning the Super Bowl. So like, this dude is just, this might be his last hurrah and they are just letting him sling it. And Amari Cooper, he saw five targets to one of Elijah Moore before departing two weeks ago. Yep. And then he comes back and backs it up with 14 targets last week. And he's priced at only 6K in this nebulous range of wide receiver pricing. I don't think the field's going to get to. What say you about that play? Yeah, it's, I love the the volume shout on that uh, for large field because I think the opportunity is going to be there. I mean, he's in target on 33% of his routes from Flacco. Um, the Bears have been like, yeah, the Bears have been kind of a sneaky good defense. Only two wide receivers this season have hit 70 yards in a game mm -hmm. against them this year, and only one has gone over 77 yards. That was Mike Evans. Uh, and I think Mike Evans had a 90-yard catch in that game maybe. Uh, yeah, something like I, that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, that was like week two, uh, yeah. and it feels that feels like another season ago mm -hmm. at this point. But uh, I do like the volume shot, right? Like, I because anytime you get a wide receiver price net, like even if it's a if it's a people if people say like I'm not going to play him because of the matchup, I'm okay with just throwing volume at a wide receiver because you only need a couple plays from a wide receiver yeah. on his targets to get there. So I have no uh, issue with that at all. The second one that's highly interesting to me is one um, Rashid Shahid, who appears likely to return this week. And he's playing a Wink Martindale defense who he's going to see a lot of single high and cover one against and is not the primary emphasis of the defense, probably, which is going to be Chris Olave. Um, any interest in any of these New Orleans pass catchers in the spot? Yeah, I'm been, I've been actually trying to follow this uh, today before we got on and uh, to see if Alave practiced. He picked up a late ankle injury. Yeah. Because um, obviously, you know, it's kind of a, a one or one or one half of this. Like, I want to really be in on Alave if he's healthy and if I know mm -hmm. he's going to be available to play. So against the Blitz, Derek Carr has actually been incredible. And, and like, people won't probably believe this because Derek yeah. Carr but uh, he's second in the NFL in completion rate against the Blitz. He is averaging 8.2 yards or past him against the Blitz. That's fourth in the NFL. He's a 5.1% touchdown rate against the Blitz. That's 12th in the NFL. Against the Blitz, Alave, 32% of the team targets, 42% of the air yards, 2.94 yards per route run. Only A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen have more receiving yards against the Blitz than Chris Olave this season. Also, he's got amazing man coverage splits, which you know you're going to get in the Wink Martindale defense. Uh, the mm -hmm. Giants also have been completely terrible against opposing wide receiver ones. But also, if he were to miss, Rashid Jaheed comes back and now comes back into this role where he can kind of actually get targets, which has kind of been the bugaboo for Rashid Jaheed like, to yeah. this point in his career. No Taysom, uh, no, potentially no Olave. So and then if we catch Rashid Shaheed in this role where perfunctory he has to line up and be like this wide receiver one, then he becomes 
uh, immensely interesting as well. So I've been trying to follow that throughout the day. I haven't seen any updates on Alave practicing yet yeah. today, but he did miss practice the last two days. But man, uh, very interested in this spot. And I know it's kind of point chasing. You don't have to, I think, have a, a bring back. But if you were to do a mini, I I don't think it's necessarily wrong to to be towards the Wandale stuff that happened on Monday night. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the Saints. Look where the Saints give up all their yeah. receiver production. It's all slot receivers. 51% of the catches they've allowed to wide receivers this year have gone to the slot. It's the second highest rate in the NFL. So I, I don't think you need to. I just think if the salary becomes that much of a problem and you had to pick a guy, it would be that. It looks like Darren Waller might try to play, though, too. So, I mean, listen, we've tried. I'm not suggesting any Giants pieces. I'm just saying if, there, yeah. if you had to. Uh, there, There is a note about this game, though, and I wish I would have stocked it more last week because I wrote about it in the worksheet. And when Taysom Hill ended up being out, declared out on Saturday, I said, screw it, because I did the inverse. Remember I told you, Two weeks ago, I pulled Alvin Kamara from a bunch of lineups when yeah. uh, uh, who was up? I'm trying to remember who came back. And I was like, oh, well, since he's back, I'm going to play. I'm not going to pull him from – it was like Olave. Olave had was a concussion Olave, protocol. yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to scale down my Kamara, and he got there. Last week, Taysom Hill has declared out, I'm like, I'm going to ramp up my Kamara. But I even wrote this note, and I kicked myself for doing it. Look at Alvin Kamara's usage in wins and losses and when yep. the Saints are ahead on the scoreboard and not. Like, there are stark, yeah. stark splits versus Alvin Kamara's usage in wins and losses and when they're ahead on the scoreboard. And we have the Saints as a home favorite here. Maybe the magic of Tommy DeVito will push him. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will probably be coming in lighter on Kamara this week because oh, yeah. of that, uh, because of those notes. Uh in wins, he's only averaging 3.7 catches per game, 28 yards per receiving. In those games, only a 65%, 65%, and 57% of the backfield touches. In the losses, 85%, 76%, 83%, 77% of the backfield touches. And inherently, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like So with them being tall, taller home favorites, even against the Giants, who can allow a running back to get there through efficiency – uh still probably just a, a noteworthy nugget that i kicked myself for last week not you know kind of embedding in my brain with alvin kamara yeah i, I i'm most interested in rashid shaheed i think uh, you look at the you look at Derek carr's target rates um against man coverage this season it's like it was michael thomas and it was chris olave both were seeing a target um 30 of the time or more against man coverage rashid shaheed 18 percent. that was third on the team behind those top two guys, but it's, it was still higher. His target rate was higher against man coverage than it was against zone. So I think there is upside there. I, his price is only what 42, 4,300, something like that. Um, and he gets you access to upside at one of these cheap guys to let you play the CMCs plus Brandon Ix plus, you know, one of the wide receivers in in for the Rams. Uh, I like the profile. I got the five-minute update if you want to see it. I just pulled up five minutes yes. ago. Dennis Allen said Chris Olave will be questionable right up to game time and will not practice today. Good, good. So there it is. It's open. But Rashid Shahid is practicing. He already practiced uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So yeah. we will not know up until lineup lock. Of not lineup lock, but inactives at 1130 Eastern on uh, Sunday morning about Chris Labe. Perfect. All right. I'm locking Rashid Shahid. Next question. <laughs> um, let's go. We got five minutes left. Let's go to out the door or any other interesting spots. I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I don't know about interesting spots. I mean, uh, it's I don't I, this Texans thing is just a bummer. It's just a huge letdown. Yeah. Like it feels like the Humber just can't be denied. I know it's not the old Texans defense, but now to me, in a game script where they're going to be able to get him touches. Uh, like I said, do you like Bijan Robinson as in that kind of area? Just because you know the the Panthers and their touchdown equity a lot of the running backs. But other than that, like, I think I'm pretty much lockstep in kind of what we've kind of focused on. Like, those are the game yeah. environments. Those are the players that matter to me the most. Uh, and I'm going to be building around a lot of the things we discussed. Any interest, Noah Brown, um, Dalton Schultz with Nico probably out with Tank Dell out um, against a pass funnel defense? Uh, very mild just with the Davis Mills. And who, who was a guy that we don't have to run away from? Like, it's not like a situation where... Yeah. It's like this, you know, this guy that's unknown. We've seen him play two years, and he he had fleeting moments of of success. <laughs> Yellow well. chucker, yeah. Just but like also, that. like this offensive line was already so bad, 
And like, yeah. I'm the Larry Tunzel, George Fant against this defensive front too. Cause like this defensive front, the one thing about the Titans and they showed it, like if you don't have, uh, if you don't have an adequate offensive line versus these guys, like, you know, Jeffrey Simmons and Autry, yeah. like, these guys, these guys can be a pain in your ass. And like that and Tua had no shot on Monday night with the, with all those backup linemen. So uh, I don't have like a major pushback on anyone's at like that price point, like taking a shot on it. I would love to see some pushback from the Texan side, especially if you're going to dabble at all with like DeAndre Hopkins or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also worth note that both George Fant, Laramie Tunzel have been on the injury report. I think that George Fant is probably going to miss this week where I think Laramie Tunzel is probably going to play, um, which is going to affect their run game. It's going to affect their efficiency. It's going to affect Davis Mills being kept upright. Um, yeah, there's, uh, and that kind of all fade combines to the, uh, a feeling that we might see like increased pass rate. I mean, this Texans team, like we've, we've talked about Bobby Slowick ad nauseum here, but this Texans team is nearly average in pace. Yeah. They're nearly average in scoring. They're nearly average in, um, pass attempts per game there. It's like pass rate over expectation. Like you name it, this on on paper, this team is league average. Um, so you remove CJ Stroud. I don't know. Um, Noah Brown's only 5K. Dalton Schultz is sub 5K. Maybe we'll see. Uh, I just want to throw it out there. Um, any other spots of interest? I know you said no, but maybe something popped up there. Uh, what, well, let's talk about real quick before we get out of here. What do you make of this Kansas City New England game? Ah, uh, I mean, it's Chiefs offense. We've seen continuously just the the, the roadblocks that they have. Uh, and, you know, now you lose another core piece from that offense, which was Isaiah Pacheco, which they were, mm -hmm. le they were leaning on Isaiah Pacheco as like a functional part of this offense. So oh, we yeah. do we do have a little bit of like the Jarek McKinnon run out. The one positive thing that you see is like they finally have, they maybe because it's just been they've been forced into it, like 82% route rate for Rasheed Rice last week. Previous season high was 69%, like, the, they they finally figure out they just have to have this kid on the field. Uh, yeah. That's where we are. Uh, where are you on the Zeke stuff? I mean, like to me, Zeke feels like a prototypical tournament fade. But I will say, if you go back to last year, Ramondre, this was like the same thing. We we kept playing Ramondre Stevenson for the same reasons that we would want to play Zeke Elliott. Though, like Ramondre Stevenson wasn't doing anything with his catches last year, but like they kept yeah. dumping it off to him, and he kept just getting the football. So I mean, it's. It's like, and the Chiefs have been kind of a, a team we've targeted for running back production. So, man, here we are in the year week, yeah. week 15, 2023. <laughs> is Ezekiel Elliott the guy we, we needed? Oh, my God. I sure hope not. But it's very, very difficult to write off the fact that he saw 30 running back opportunities last week, <laughs> including eight targets. Um, no, no other he's not listed as a running back. I mean, Ty Montgomery is the quote unquote backup running back on this team right now. Um, he only played what six snaps. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. So like, I mean, it, I don't know, dude, I hate it, but at the I same know. time, it might, it might make sense. Um, that is also what gives me a little bit more interest in guys like Rishi Rice and guys like Amari Cooper, because they're priced in that same range. Um, and basically now you're just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make a pure pivot um, in my, because for me, the field is going to one of Kyron Williams, one of Christian McCaffrey plus Zeke. Like that is very clear and evident mm -hmm. where the field is going. Yes. So if I'm considering Zeke, it would be maybe with all, all three of them as a three running back, a build. three running back build. Yeah. Yeah. And in him. that, in that, like in that case, now you're talking about pure pivot versus guys like Amari Cooper, guys like Rasheed Rice. Um, I don't know. I mean, 30 running back opportunities is very difficult to mm -hmm. just write off. Um, in the same time that came in a positive game environment against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that was not moving the football. Um, there's a lot of nuance to that discussion. Um, what kind of workload do we expect if they're trailing for the whole game? Um, but those dump offs, man, those, those add up. If you're seeing <laughs> six to eight of them, uh, they for sure add up. So I don't know. Um, I'll probably have some interest. I'm going to be thinking about ways to play him differently than the field, I think. Um, yeah. And I think three running back builds might be one of the answers. Another answer is to play him not with CMC and Kyron. And I don't really want to do that. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have the well, answer. I mean, leaving either of those guys out of any lineup, out of a lineup completely feels 
real tough. Feels sketch, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Check back a one week season uh, for my end around because that will be a primary discussion point. Um, the end around is where I go into all the game theory stuff. Um, Love it. Yeah. So with that, man, thanks again for uh, for coming back. For those who are new here, we do this every week. Uh, typically, we run this at uh, noon Eastern, um, and we should be back to that normal time next week. Come join us, hang out, drop any questions. We should be able to get to those on. We did not get to this one. Uh, reach out on our Twitter. You know where to find us, dude. We'll get that answered for you. Uh, but he's Rich. I am Hilo, and this was Searching for Ceiling. Until next time, y'all. One week season.